Hello and welcome to Living Heritage, a show about the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. I'm Dale Jarvis. Today's guest is Abby Moss. Abby was born and raised in Gander, and she has studied communications and history at Memorial University of Newfoundland. She began her career as a seasonal worker at the North Atlantic Aviation Museum in 2013, and she has just finished her fifth summer with the museum. Doing work from creating exhibits to digitizing archives, she now holds the role as tour coordinator with the Beyond Words Tour, a 9-11 tour of Gander. She has represented the museum at a local level with the Gander Heritage Advisory Committee, and most recently on an international level in the Azores, Portugal, where she was the sole Canadian participant in the academic conference where she presented on behalf of the North Atlantic Aviation Museum. Abby, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm delighted you're here. Uh, I was in the car coming here today, and I was listening to a friend of mine, Petrina Bromley, who is in the province <laughs> yeah. right now, and uh, and she was talking about her work on Come From Away. She's back. Um, you know, as part of a fundraiser for a, for a new theater company. And she was talking about, you know, a year or so ago being in Gander when they took the show to, to Gander. Were you there? Did you yes, I was. I was living in St. John's at the time. And a year ago yesterday, so October 30th, um, they put off two shows and it wasn't a full Broadway production, but it was a concert and absolutely fabulous. Like, yeah. I think everyone in Gander gave it a thumbs up. Yes. Yeah. Phenomenal. And have you had a chance to see the stage production of the show? No, not yet. I'm kind of hoping I'll, you know, make, make it down to New York or something to see it, but not yet. I saw it in Toronto, and it was uh, it was amazing. Yeah, and I and I bawled. I, <laughs> I cried like a baby from start to finish. Like I, it was just one of those things. And I was I have to admit, like I was a little I was a little skeptical going in. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be a little maudlin. It's gonna be like Deedle Dee, Newfoundland rubber boot kind of stuff. But it, it was I was totally sucked in. It was it was amazing. I think everyone was like that we were kind of worried how Newfoundlanders would be portrayed yeah. but they did so good when they did it like it was just so great. Now we kind of jumped in the middle here now I, because I, I assume that most of the Newfoundlanders who are listening know the know the whole story of 9-11 and Gander. For, for those who don't know maybe can, can you tell us what happened in Gander on, on 9-11? On Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, the U.S. closed its airspace and all aircraft had to land. Um, they had to go to the nearest airport and Gander ended up taking in 38 passenger jets as well as four military ones. Um, so it worked out to be 42 aircraft and that's the second largest number of aircraft at any airport in Canada. Uh, it worked out to be about 7,000 passengers in our community of 9,000. So it was quite a significant uh, number of people dropping in, as people say, for a bucket of tea and uh, a biggie. And so they stayed and the whole town shut down. You know, they were staying in our schools, the meeting halls, places like Walmart and shoppers opened their doors and you could just go in and take what you needed, really. And they stayed for five days. And then on that Saturday, they left again. Yeah. And and everyone left mm. on that last day. And do you, do you think anyone in Gander kind of thought, oh, this will turn into something else? Like, or do, do you think people just thought, oh, thank goodness they're gone and now we can get back to our regular lives? I don't even think they thought, you know, thank goodness they're gone. But <laughs> <laughs> I think they were kind of like, the town felt empty and they were kind of not yeah. sure what to do with it. And, you know, there was a lot of cleanup after the fact, but I don't think anyone expected anything to come out of it. Like even weeks coming out at, after that event, when people were sending back thank you letters and donations and stuff, like I think they were quite taken by surprise then as well. Yeah. Yeah, because people did go away and they raised money for a scholarship and yeah, it, and it really did, 
after the event, it did kind of gain momentum. And there was a book um, when the world came to town yeah. that was put out. Gosh, about two thousand two. So it was only about a year later. It yeah. Came out. Yeah. And then and then from there, it just kind of seemed to continue to gain momentum. And then and now it's now we're on Broadway. We, I said <laughs> yeah. We. Like, yeah. As if you and I are involved. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're up there in the back. <laughs> but I but I think that's how. That's how a lot of kind of Newfoundlanders feel. They're a friend of mine went and she said she was in she saw it in New York and she said I'm going to go and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I'm I'm from Newfoundland and if anyone asks I'll just say I'm from Canada and then she said she got in the theater and she's like I'm a Newfoundlander <laughs> <laughs> she was so excited you know to be there and it and it does have that feeling like you you yeah. are so proud of being yeah. from here yeah I mean even listen to the soundtrack like when I'm an Islander comes on like you can't help but belt it <laughs> out like I even I cry I have to stop the car and, and cry at the soundtrack I'm a I'm a softy total softy for that for that soundtrack um so tell us about the museum then because the museum's been there for uh, a long time about 21 years yeah. now so and because because Gander has this incredible aviation history, a- apart from the 9/11 story, you know it was one of the largest airports in the world. Is that is that a correct? Yeah, statement? it was the largest when it was built. Yeah, actually. So our museum goes in chronological order from when it was built, and they started in 35 on a logging camp. There was no community there. You know, a lot of times airports are built for the town, but in this case, the town came after the airport. Yeah. Um, so it talks about how when we were first constructed, we were the largest airport in the world. We had over a uh, mile of tarmac, which was very unusual at the time. Uh, we were a venture between five different countries, you know, Americans, Canadians, Newfoundlanders, the British and the Irish all wanted an airport on the east coast of North America for jump off for uh, travel and we were built for commercial purposes which most people believe we were built for the second world war but that was not the case it just so happened that when we opened in 38 you know world war ii broke out right. just after yeah so uh you know world war ii came around and we had 15,000 people stationed in gander americans british and canadians there was newfoundlanders there as well of course and we had helped ship across about 10,000 aircraft during the span of the war, and these were mostly U.S.-made aircraft that were flying from Montreal to Gander and then overseas to Ireland and later on uh, Scotland. And, you know, we were so significant that we were on Hitler's radar. You know, he had an outstanding order to destroy the Newfoundland airport, so uh, a lot of people are surprised that, you know, somewhere like Gander could be uh, so well-known. And then after the Second World War was over, you know, we went back to our original purpose of a commercial airport. And I think these were probably some of Gander's better days yeah. for the airport. Everyone had to stop through if you were crossing the ocean. So people like the Queen, Presidents, um, Elvis, Albert Einstein, everyone was stopping through Gander. And we were a cosmopolitan oasis at the time. There's a, there's a story about Fidel Castro coming in, in winter. Yeah, it was uh, Christmas Eve. I believe in 72, and he was tobogganing just outside the <laughs> Hotel Gander. Yeah, that he had never, never, He'd never seen snow, like and yeah. he, he wanted to go, and his bodyguards were, wouldn't let him, but he, he was going to go tobogganing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I know lots of people have, have memories. People of a certain generation have memories of the, the bar at the airport. Like, that was kind of the place to be, and the place where you might bump into Frank Sinatra or something like yeah, that. Frank yeah, Frank Sinatra's been there a ton of times, you know, with everyone else. You know, that was your Sunday drive in Gander. You know, you go up to the airport and see what famous people you'd run into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so the museum was established to, to commemorate this long and important history of the of the the airport and, and its connection mm. to the town um, what kinds of exhibits are there in the mu- in the museum um, there's all different kinds so I think the first I'll say 15 years our museum was 
um, kind of like a lot of smaller museums, everything was put in there and as they got things they just made exhibits. But in 2012 we went under renovations and we have a very well done museum now, it was professionally curated. So we have panels that actually tell a story in chronological order, you know, you can see your artifacts. Um, there's interactive exhibits as well, so you can listen to an air raid siren or you can watch a video about 9-11. Um, we have a DC-3 cockpit you can actually enter through the back of our museum, things like this. So um, there's all kinds of stuff. You can practice Morse code. You know, we have a flight simulator. Um, and if you're driving through, it's it's kind of hard to miss the museum. Yeah, I would think so. But, you know, I have a lot of people coming in being like, we drove right by. And I'm like, so you missed all the planes outside, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, the, and the front of the building has the, the plane. The plane going right in through and then the cockpit on the back. So... Yeah, I don't. It, it is. So if you're driving through, if you're coming from town, it's on your left as you. Yeah. <laughs> on the main drag as you're coming through the t- through the town. It's, so stop and and go in and have it and check it out. Um, so you started in 2013. Uh, so what was your first job? You were you just a, a summer student? Is I that, was just a summer student. Yeah. You know, just finished high school, needed something to do, and you know, as Scanderite, it was shameful, but I had never been in the museum until I got a job there and went down and really enjoyed it the first summer. So then the next year when I wanted a job, you know, I kind of went back and said, would you take me back? And I got hired again and again and again and again. <laughs> yeah. And you've done some exhibit Yeah, I've done a little bit of everything there. So when I started, I actually was digitalizing all our files. Um, everything was just in a filing cabinet, all our artifacts and everything. So we have an online or a computer system now that we organize everything. Uh, we have a rotating display that I helped. That was the exhibit. And so we have all different kinds of ganderites, notable ones. So our first airport manager, the first female pilot, and you come in and see artifacts from them as well as get their body bio, photos, things like this. Um, I also helped create what we call our flight deck. Uh, This is an information computer where you can come in and sit down and see things that aren't on display. You can read about notable locals. Um, You can watch any videos we have in our archives, things like this. So I've done I've done a little yeah, bit of everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so now, tell me about the the tour because you you're famous now, Miss <laughs> Moss. Like I turn on the television and there you are. You're on the radio talking about the tour. And yeah, I'm kind of everywhere now. Yeah. Um, so Beyond Words tours uh, only started this year. Uh, you know, we were just saying come from ways now in New York on Broadway. Uh, that started in March, I believe. And so a lot of the townspeople actually went down. We had the mayor, you know, town police, town workers, just Ganderites. And when they came back, they kind of looked at each other and said, you know, people are actually going to be coming to Gander because of this musical. And it's not something I don't think we anticipated or really thought about. So they were like, what are we going to offer these people when they show up? And so they decided that they were going to do a Gander tour. And they approached several different people and no one really picked it up. So they approached the museum and asked, you know, would you guys do this tour? And it's different for a museum to be given a community-wide tour, but they picked it up as um, a fundraiser for an upcoming project. And so I was hired on May 8th, and our first tour was June 20th. Right. So our tour, actually, you meet at the museum, and then we head straight to the airport. And this is because this is where the plane people started their journey, so that's where we're going to start our tour. And I tell them a little bit about a history of Gander, as well as we talk about what the people would have experienced when they first showed up. So how they were greeted by Red Cross rather than police and, you know, how there was doctors waiting and social workers and the Salvation Army was there with personal care kits. Um, And then we go and look at the tarmac and I have photos of all the planes lined Mm -hmm. up on the runways and I'm like, it doesn't look like much here now, but I was like, if you can imagine all the planes lined up, bang, 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 bang. I was like, this is what it looked like. 
We leave the airport, we jump right back in our van, we do a bit of a driving tour through Gander, I'll point out notable buildings, so this might be like the Newtel building where all they had phones and computers set up 24 hours a day outside. Uh, we'll talk about the different schools, things like this, and then we head to Town Hall where we have a piece of steel from the Twin Towers and you get to meet a notable local. So this is probably the most exciting part of the whole tour. Uh, this summer I got to use Mayor Claude Elliott, or he was the mayor at the time, uh, Constable Oz Fudge, who is portrayed in the musical as well, and then Mr. Brian Mosier, who was a high school teacher but worked with Rogers TV. And so people love the personal stories that they can share and love being able to ask questions and get their photo taken and, you know, have a jam jam with the mayor is a big thing. <laughs> <laughs> and how long How long does the tour last? It's about three hours. So oh, wow. after we yeah. leave Town Hall, we actually go to, I've used two different community centers this uh, summer. First, I went to the college where the first plane people were, and we do a tour of the school as well as I have an exclusive 9-11 exhibit set up. So I went to different locations and asked if I could borrow their artifacts for the summer and set up a display of thank you cards and letters and photos and things like this. And then the second half of the summer, the college was unfortunately under renovation. So we did went, go to the community center with the ice rink, which was the world's largest refrigerator at the time. And then they get to see the exhibit there. Yeah. And how often does the tour run? It ran Tuesdays to Saturdays every afternoon. Oh, wow. For how, for how long? For how many weeks? Oh, uh, I finished on September 15th, so June 20th. So that's... So about three months, I guess. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of tours. Now, it was our first summer, and, you know, we didn't have any advertising, but the feedback was absolutely phenomenal, and I think everyone in Gander is kind of excited to do it again next summer. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about who comes on the tour. I've had all kinds of people on this tour. Um, the first tour I actually did was with Oz Fudge, which was nerve-wracking because, you know, I had to get his go-ahead. He knew the story, and he actually brought this lady who had contacted him and her 13-year-old son who had seen the Broadway musical dozens of times, I believe, and he could tell me the whole story back to me, and they, this is where their vacation was going to be, Gander, Newfoundland. I've had a plane person on my tour. You know, this was her first time back since September 11th, and to hear her story was incredible. I've had a couple whose dentist was here in Gander, and they were like, he was telling us about how nice it was, so we had to come as well. And they came on the tour, you know, and people who've seen the musical and people who haven't seen the musical and just thought, you know, this is something to do in Gander, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it does seem that some of those those plain people have been back. I know uh, Captain Beverly Bass, who was who is featured in the musical, has been to Gander multiple times. Multiple times. She was here twice this summer, I believe. She came um, in the middle of the summer with her family. Uh, she brought her kids for the first time. And then she was back for September 11th as well. And most of the people portrayed in the musical came back on September 11th. So Nick and Diane's a couple that are featured there. They came back, you know. Um, the two Kevins were back. And uh, Kevin Turf has been back a dozen times as well. You know, he was here earlier in the summer as well. But it was the first time for the other Kevin as well since September 11th. Yeah. And so what happened on September 11th this year then? Was there a, was there a ceremony of some kind? No. Um, Gander has decided to do it every five years. So our first one okay. was the 10th anniversary, and we received two pieces of steel then, and there was a big ceremony and everything. Um, on the 15th anniversary, we got our newest piece of steel that sits at the airport, and then so our next one will now be in four years. Right, yeah. So the, the tour will continue then. It's This is something that people want to 
want to participate in it you you see that this is something that both the town wants the museum wants yeah everyone who's taken it says great you know the townspeople are really supportive even though i'm tracking them through town hall <laughs> you know a couple times a week you yeah. know bothering them but they say it's really great and you know if i see anyone in town and they'll be like the tour uh tourists will be like yeah she's doing great i love this tour this is great <laughs> tell everyone you know so it's, it's really reassuring to hear that and has, has there been a, a memory or a story that someone's told you that's kind of stood out for you about that about that event about the the time that they were in Gander or, or their response to the the tour that you give um, the lady I had who was a plain person you know of course will stick out um, she was a doctor and she was diverted here with her two children and she was telling me you know this is her first time back and everything and she hadn't even thought about it until the musical came out and she was like oh yeah we were in Gander at the time you know she kind of blocked it and she was telling me you know they were she wanted me I tell everyone if they come on the tour it's kind of been small it's like if there's anything else you want to see in Gander I'm very flexible and she was like well can you take me to Lewisport <laughs> and I was like well that's about 45 minutes away so I can't unfortunately and she's like what do you mean Lewisport's not in Gander and she had no idea really that it was two separate places until she had returned right yeah yeah I guess in the moment you're it's all a blur yeah well, I mean yeah. I guess if your pilot comes on the radio and says you know we're being diverted to Gander and then you get off and then they just take you away you assume you're still in gander yeah so that was really interesting to me because I, I make sure to tell everyone you know gander couldn't have done it without the surrounding communities and i really push that because i feel like some surrounding communities are a little hurt you know gander gets all the credit and you see that when you read comments and things but i think part of it is you know people just didn't know that other communities were involved when they were here so they're going yeah. back saying you know gander did all this but yeah. they didn't really know now, you, you got to take a little trip this year. <laughs> Just a little one. A little one. So tell us about that. How, so this is a conference in Azores. How, how did you hear about this conference? They actually contacted the museum. So it's the LPAZ Association in Santa Maria, uh, the Azores, Portugal. And this is just the airport association, and they hold this conference every year. And so they decided this year they were going to add a museum aspect to it and reached out to a lot of different museums, you know, and I'm sure if you Google North Atlantic Museum, ours is one of the first ones to appear. And so they asked us if we would come and uh, the museum asked me if I would uh, represent them at this forum. So, you know, sure, why not go to Portugal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so what was the theme of the, the conference? Was it air, airports and museums or yeah, well, aviation the, history? Or? It was a four-day long conference. So the first two days were actually academic uh, papers and things. So this was kind of any research you had done on North Atlantic uh, aviation. I think the overall theme was time and space. But to just talking about how, you know, all these important places had played a role, um, could be certain flights and things like this. The second two days were a museum conference. And so we all talked about what was in our personal museums and um, what we were doing to preserve it and kind of creating a network was the biggest thing, was just uh, setting up. We have a Google group now where we all talk to each other through that and just trying to... You know, we all have the same goal to preserve aviation history, yeah. and so it worked out really nice. So what was your route? How did you get there? I left Gander at about 5.30 in the morning and got to Toronto three hours later. I had a 15-hour layover, <laughs> five-hour flight to one of the main islands in the Azores, St. Miguel, and then I had a 13-hour layover, <laughs> and then I flew to uh, Santa Maria. So it was... 40 hours door so to door. You must have been a little trip. exhausted. A yeah. little bit. I remember the first night we went in for a snack and I was sat at the table and they just said, you should go to bed. You look like you're about to fall asleep in that watermelon. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> and what was the what was the conference venue like? Like what was the It the, was actually the place? Um, 
in a library there. It was mm. very beautiful inside. Uh, the whole island's not very big. I think it's one of the smallest one in the Azores. And so only about 2,000 people, I believe. They only have one pub on the whole island, <laughs> you know, the most important part. And so the library uh, downstairs had a big conference space, and it was just um, a big room, and they had the screen up and everything, and it was just... It was a nice, well-done room for a conference, I'll say. Yeah. And so did you? what were you presenting on, specifically? I present. I told them about Gander's history and the role we played in aviation, something most people are familiar with in the aviation world. But I also told them about the different exhibits and our future projects, um, the people we've had through, things like this. So it was about a 15-minute talk I gave mm-hmm. uh, to them. And were they familiar with the 9-11 story? Did you touch on that? Actually, no. I got a funny story about that. So after I told them the story and I was telling them about what happened 9-11 you could look out and see people crying and things and so I sat down with a couple of uh, ladies I had met as friends and this gentleman came up to me and he asked me oh so were you working at the museum during 9-11 like what was the museum's role and I couldn't help but laugh because I had to tell him I was six when 9-11 happened <laughs> <laughs> and no one could believe how young I was there but yeah they, a lot of them hadn't heard about it, you know heard about Gander but didn't hear what happened uh, during 2001. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's that's kind of funny. You're six <laughs> yeah. years old. Did, 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 what, so you've kind of grown up in the town that has this story. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did your family have memories of that at that yeah, time? Yeah, I always I got two part story for the 9/11 section. Um, when 9/11 happened, I was six. You know, just started grade one at Gander Academy, and you know, I remember a few things, not much, but you know, bringing up blankets and pillows with my mom to the school. I remember bringing up mac and cheese with her, being rotted, because I love mac and cheese. <laughs> you did get to eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I remember going up with her to bring people back to use our shower as well, and then my dad taking these people on tours. So then I talk about 10 years later when they had the first anniversary, and this is where Beyond Words stems from, and they had the big ceremony with the steel, and there was a community breakfast where plain people actually served the food because you served us, now it's our chance to serve you. And there was a lot of different things on the go, and we went to the ceremony with in the community center, all the media there and everything, and I looked at Mom and said, why are they making such a big deal of what Gander had done? Didn't everyone do the same? She was shocked and said, you know, no, in a lot of places they just put them up in hotels or even left them in the airports. And I couldn't believe it because, you know, I, I grew up here in this yeah. story and this is it's totally normal to shut down your town for yeah, a week and take in yeah, 7,000 we yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a hard time believing it. And I think a lot of people in Gander kind of feel the same way. You know, like we just did what we did and it's completely normal here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you said you were talking in Azores about your future projects. So, mm-hmm. so where where is the museum going? What would you like to see happen, or what what does the board what's the board's vision for the museum further on? The museum's biggest project now is we're actually fundraising for an extension, and this will be called the Ferry Command Memorial Hall. So, the Ferry Command happened during the Second World War, and these are all the people who were flying planes across for the war effort. And it's a very unknown part of history, actually. Not a lot of people are familiar with it. I even found that in. Portugal when I was talking about it, you know, a lot of academics came up and said they hadn't heard about it. So we want to build this second building, actually bring some of the aircraft that are outside inside, and most importantly would be our Lockheed Hudson bomber. So there's only six of those left in the world, and ours is the only one left in North America. So that one's a huge deal. We really want to bring it inside, and they're planning on putting like a theater inside, classrooms, vaults. Um, we're going to have a cafe that looks like an air traffic control tower, you know, with a balcony overlooking Gander Lake. And it's, it's going to be a beautiful extension, and they're underway doing that now. Yeah. there's There's been some concern over the last couple of years about 
<coughs> the um, the airport itself and whether or not that will survive because it is a kind of a changing you know mm. a changing time and 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 maybe the airport isn't being used as much as it once was you know what what's happening in the community in terms of the, that preser- preserving that space when they first came out and said they were considering shutting down the airport and building a new terminal i think there was so much outcry from not only ganderites but newfoundlanders generally that they decided they were not going to do that you mm-hmm. know and they've had a couple ideas flown around maybe we'll just shut off the international edge because we don't really use our international edge anymore and again no you know people weren't going to allow that um it's finally you know been decided no we're not going to touch it however they are going to do renovations now in the next year or two on the international edge and the terminal itself i believe the airport had the most successful year it has in uh, a decade or so th- this past year and so they really need to upgrade their facilities but they still want to keep the vintage style because uh, and so, anyone who's been in the international yeah, lounge so, knows. so f- for people who haven't been in the inter- international lounge can you can you describe it a little bit yeah so our international lounge is original to when the airport was first built um, there's imported uh, marble tile flooring we have uh, the original furniture you know yellow um, <laughs> orange like very 50s 60s like yeah it looks like something out of the out of mad men like it's a little bit yeah so period yeah and it's it's so well preserved um you know there's artwork that's commissioned for that that's still there and everything um we've had news uh magazines and newspapers come down and do photo shoots here um different things like high fashion things like this um but the reason it's so well done is because when newfoundland joined canada in 49 people up along kind of thought you know this is the first place a lot of people are going to experience Canada and we really want to put our best foot forward and so they funded a lot of money into it and that's why it's all you know like Italian marble floors and you know they did so well with it and when Gander slowed down you know we used to go from about 60 flights a night to today we get about a dozen you know it's not used as well as much so you know it really can stay in great condition yeah it is one of these places like there's always like whenever there's a, an emergency landing even like today like it seems like Gander's the spot where they're yeah diverted. we have yeah. aircraft all the time it's really surprising you know it's it's unusual actually to go up and not see a military aircraft you know it might be British it could be Australian uh, Ukrainian US is there all the time uh, emergency landings happen quite frequently as well so mm-hmm. do you have a favorite artifact in the museum um <laughs> Yes, but it's not on display. I just think it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, When we showed up and started archiving things, I was looking through all our artifacts, and I found this dried coconut, (laughs) and we have no idea why. Like, the (laughs) file says dried coconut, and we don't know why it was donated to us, what significance it has, but we keep it just as a reminder. You know, we have to stick to the mandate. We can't accept everything, but I think it's hilarious. So if anyone knows why we have a dried coconut, <laughs> please contact me. <laughs> I think that's good advice for any museum, especially community museums, because I think quite often people are like, I have this old thing, let, let me give it to the, the, the museum. And and I think that's true. Like, like, you do need to kind of stick to your mandate, or else you kind of end up with dried coconuts and, you know, <laughs> yeah. mummified cats and things that have nothing to do with your, your actual mandate. Yeah, we get a lot of people coming in saying, oh, why don't you have, like, World War One aircraft? And I'm like, well, Gander didn't exist till 35, so, you yeah. know kind of beyond our time yeah so now you yourself uh you want to this is has become your career basically like you started off as a summer student and now you were saying before you uh before we started the interview that it's this new edition they think that you should get your own uh, your own office yeah i'm rallying for my own office (laughs) i'll put i'll put a plug in for you (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) yeah um i'm hoping you know i've 
done a, a bit of work with the museum now and I'm kind of grooming myself so when the time comes and they put out the, app, uh, the ad for it, you know, I can apply and say, you know, I am the best person for this position and hopefully be able to make a career out of staying in Gander with Gander's history under yeah. my belt. And if people want to get more information about either the the tours or the or the museum itself, where can where can people go? Uh, we have a website, NorthAtlanticAviationMuseum.com. I know it's a mouthful. <laughs> you can visit our Facebook page, again, North Atlantic Aviation Museum, or you can follow us on Twitter at NAM, N-A-A-M, Gander. And you're pretty active on social media. The museum. Now, yeah. is that you? Yeah, it is That's me. You, I, yeah. I run all the social media <laughs> for the museum as well. So, And you're on Instagram? Yes. Oh, we have an Instagram account. We have a teddy bear. That's our mascot, Captain Hudson. Um, so his... Instagram is captain.p.hudson. <laughs> <laughs> and what is, so what is his story? Where does, where's, where does the name Hudson come from? Well, Hudson's just after the uh, aircraft that we have. You know, we really like, that's our favorite aircraft is our Hudson. Yeah. So I figured that was a good way to kind of get the word out and get people thinking, you know, whenever I see something about a Hudson bomber, you know, I'll, I'll stick Hudson up in front of it and say, oh, my namesake's here, you know. <laughs> people get a good chuckle out of it. <laughs> Grand. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and good luck with the, the tours next summer. So when, when are they going to start up again? Uh, about mid-June, I believe. We'll, okay. have, to, we'll awesome. have to see what the demand is now. Well, hopefully we'll send some people your way. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Dale Jarvis. You've been listening to Living Heritage, a production of CHMR Radio 93.5 in collaboration with the Intangible Cultural Heritage Office of the Heritage Foundation of Newfoundland and Labrador. Find us online at ichblog.ca or on iTunes. Our production assistant is Tara Barrett. We would love to know what you think of the show. Leave us a comment on the Living Heritage Podcast Facebook page or tweet us at HFNLCA. Thanks for listening.